Welcome to Hillside Baptist Church Podcast. We are a church that is committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is our privilege to open God's word with you. It is our prayer that you receive the message from the man of God with an open heart. That through God's word, you are encouraged and equipped to face life's challenges. But most importantly, it is our prayer that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior if you haven't already. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so at hillsidebc.com, find us on Facebook, or send us an email at info at hillsidebc.com. We hope that you benefit from today's message and that you would share it with a friend. But let's now open our hearts and God's Word. And he is, just uh, as we get into the text today, we think about God's love, and that's going to be important And we consider Revelation 12, because the enemy of man is not God. Uh, this world would have you believe that in, God is our enemy, and that He is working against us, uh, but that is obvious when we look at Scriptures that, one, for God to so love the world, but God commendeth His love toward us. We see this over and over, and God is love, and First John is what He teaches but in John chapter 8 and verse 44, we see that, uh, that Satan, as, as Christ is talking about the devil, he says, you're of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you were due. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. He speaketh a lie and he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. You see, Jesus knew who the real murderer was and today, when we look at the Scriptures and we see Revelation 12, we're going to see who the real murderer is in all of this. And it's not our Lord and Savior. It is, uh, it is the devil and Satan. And we're going to see this laid out here in Revelation 12, how he desires destruction. And this is going to happen uh, exponentially in the tribulation period. Now, it, sometimes it's, it's difficult for us to understand the intensity of hate that is uh, pointed toward those that are Jewish. Uh, and we see this today on an ex and the scale is just escalating so quickly to those who hate Israel. And that tonight it's entitled simply War on Israel. And we see this uh, even before, uh, before October 7th, uh, God wrote this in His Scripture that there would be war with Israel. And uh, Ezekiel 38, 39, but in Revelation 12, we see this uh, desire of the devil to destroy Israel in everything. But trying to understand what in the world is going on around us, uh, honestly, if you uh, grasp a little bit of the prophetic picture uh, of what God is putting into play, then I can't help but get a little bit excited about what we're seeing around us. I mean, we consider this, uh, we're seeing Hezbollah, now Hamas, uh, which is funded by Iran. Iran is in league with Russia, uh, and Russia is in league with China. And we have some major players on the world scene right now that are at play in the effort to destroy Israel. Now, it's not outright open where Russia is coming against Israel at this point, or, or even Iran against Israel, but we do see some of these things aligning, and I can't help but get a little excited that maybe Ezekiel 38 and 39 are just around the corner. Now, that is a little exciting, a little bit of fear mixed in with there, but we, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind, and so we don't have to be fearful about those things that are coming, but instead we should be one. He said, watch and pray as you see the day approaching. 
And so our response to what we're seeing in some of the world scene today is not something that causes fear, should not cause fear in the heart of a believer. Instead, what we see is God's calling us, saying, hey, look up, pay attention, I'm coming. That's what He's trying to get our attention. And, and it is so imperative that to uh, the age of Laodicea, that the church and Hillside Baptist Church, we're going to talk in this local church, that we, as this local church, wake up, we watch, and we pay attention because the day of the Lord is drawing near. And so let me just encourage you uh, that, one, we heed the words of Jesus, we watch and pray, we pay attention to what's going on, uh, and we continue to be people of the Word and people of witness, people who are diligent. Listen, this is not time to say, ah, things will be all right, we'll just, we'll just keep going as they're going. But instead, it's time for us to step up and say, hey, listen, I want to make sure my life is ready to meet my Lord. So if you don't know Christ as your Savior, before we go any further today, the Bible says there's only one way to heaven, and Jesus is that way. He is the door, and no one can enter in except by Him. And so if you want to go to heaven, the clearest and, and most uh, obvious way, and the only way, let me back up, it's the only way to heaven is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I know to today's standards and maybe some people in today's hearing that sounds narrow, but that's exactly what the Word of God says. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And so when we think about that, Christ saying that is not a message of hate, but a message of love. A message that says, listen, you want to avoid the wrath to come? Then you must put your faith in me. If you want to avoid the penalty of your sin, then Jesus Christ has taken that upon Himself at the cross and He makes it available to anyone and everyone and desires for you to receive the gift of salvation. He's not saying you've got to buy it, you've got to earn it, none of those things. He says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so before we go any further tonight, it is so imperative that you nail down your own salvation as the Apostle Paul told the church in Philippi, that you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Not that you find your own way, but he's saying, listen, you've got to personally decide tonight that you will accept Jesus as your Savior because if you wait and you wait and you wait, there will be a day when it will be too late. And we come to Revelation 12, we're in the middle of the tribulation, and, and he's laying out some things that are going on. And, and let me just share with you, by Revelation chapter 4, the church is, we're gone. The church is not here. The church has been raptured out. We believe because we believe in a, the verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture. That means every word of God is inspired, so translations matter as a result of that. But also, we believe in the literal, literal interpretation of Scripture. Then that get, lends to us the conclusion that it is a pre-tribulational rapture of the church. Amen. That's a good place for a Baptist amen. Hey, good, good, good. Now listen, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the potential that God will save us from the wrath to come. But here's the reality, is that we only have so much time before that happens. And when the church is raptured out, guess what? There is a void in this world of, uh, of godliness. There's a void in this world of that, you know, that spiritual witness. Listen, your godliness restrains the devil's ability to do what he wants. Did you realize that? 
And the more we give in to worldliness and the more we compromise with the things of the world, the further the world slips into darkness and the dimmer our light becomes. May we see, even as we get into this tonight, that God's not called us to become more like the world, but God's called us to be a peculiar people, a people that stands out in an age of lawlessness and sinfulness that we would be God's people devoted to Him. So when we come to Revelation 12, when we think about the people of Israel, I can't help but wonder, uh, and we, I want to deal with this right out of the box, why is it there is so much hate toward Israel today? But I will tell you, it's not just directed toward Israel the hate that we see, as we saw in John 8, just a moment ago, is because the devil hates all men. He was a murderer from the beginning, and as a result of that hate, he desires the destruction of all of God's creation. Now, he is a liar, and so he puts on these masks, and the Bible even says that he can transform himself into an angel of light. And so he's very deceptive, and many people have been de deceived thereby. And many people will look at the Antichrist at this point, and they will worship him, and, and they will think that he is wonderful. But the reality is, is the Antichrist, when he comes on the scene, though he looks lovely, and maybe he's uh, suave and debonair and has a slick silver tongue, all of those things are irrelevant because he is still the pawn of Satan. And Satan hates you, and he hates me. I, I find it quite disturbing that we're seeing a, a growing trend in these uh, afternoon Satan clubs in our public school systems. It is so imperative that maybe God would use you uh, to maybe start a good news Bible club in one of the local schools here in our area. You see, if they can allow that, they can allow the gospel. And so let us be willing to be an advocate for that. Maybe you're looking for a ministry, and maybe the ministry God has for you is just getting involved in that local school. Now, all that's for free. Let's go jump in the, into the Word of God. I want you to hold your hand in uh, Revelation 12, and I want you to look back with me. We're going to go backwards in time a little bit, from the, the very end of time to some of the very beginnings of time in Ezekiel chapter 28. We're going to look at a few things here, because the very first sin that was ever committed was not Adam and Eve, though we point to the fall of man in Genesis 3. But before even man's fall was the fall of Lucifer. The choice of Lucifer to sin against God. Lucifer is also known as Satan, the devil. Uh, he goes by many aliases. And, uh, but I want you to know he is an angel of light and one of the most beautiful and most powerful of all the angels that God ever created. Ezekiel writes about this in Ezekiel 28 verses 13 through 15. He says, Thou hast been in Eden, the, uh, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. Listen to, how, listen to what he, he's covered with. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, and the sapphire, and the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God, and thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in it. God says, listen, speaking of Lucifer here, he says, listen, he was the most beautiful of all the created angels. He was just absolutely uh, uh, be, uh, something special to behold. 
But instead of being satisfied the place that God had placed him, he grew in pride, he, grew in, uh, he no longer was content, and as a result, he, his self-importance was inflated, and he desired to take the worship and the position of God. Isaiah elaborates a little bit more on this time. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Once again, you can turn in your Bible there so that you know where these are. I would encourage you, maybe write these down in your notes. Uh, take note about these. These are important doctrinal truths here that the Word of God lays out for us. Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 14. Speaking again of Lucifer, he said, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Notice that word fallen. He was set up, but then he chose to rebel against God, and God cast him out. He said, Son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast set in thy heart, this is his sin right here, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the Most High. Does this sound like anybody to you today? This whole world today in, in, is uh, convicted that the humanist idea of you are your own God, you just have to be enlightened so that you can have this, uh, this nirvana in your life. This whole idea comes from Isaiah 14, 14. Listen, this is not a new idea that we can become a God or we are a God. You just have to have that revealed from within. Listen, this is, a, this is an old, old, old problem, and it started all the way back with Lucifer. Go back to Ezekiel 28 with me. The result of that is that Lucifer was cast out from heaven. Ezekiel 28, verse 17. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Listen, he was cast from his position in heaven, but he still desires the praise of men. That's why in so many areas, in so many ways, we see in our culture this growing uh, uh, occult and this growing wicked practice that glorifies Satan. Listen, if you have a Ouija board in your house, one of the first things you ought to do is go home and burn it. Listen, you're inviting those types of spirits into your house. Listen, there's no place in the home of a Christian for that kind of nonsense. If you're watching this kind of stuff on TV, it's not cute and it's not funny. You're inviting some of that into your home. Listen, it is so imperative that we see this is a spiritual warfare that we have going on in this world. And if you're going to keep the hearts of your children and your grandchildren, then you have to be willing to say, listen, there's some things that we will not tolerate in this house. Listen, Satan still wants your praise. He wants the adoration that belongs to God. And God said He is holy and He will not share His glory with any. And by the time you get to Revelation 20, you see what happens because of Satan. Satan not only is cast out, Satan is destroyed in the lake of fire. For all of eternity, he will spend eternity there. He's not worthy of your praise, our adoration. Satan is worthy of, of none of these things but the lake of fire. But he still desires that. Isaiah 14, that heart that he had there was still there. And so he is still working today to deceive the hearts of men. 
It started all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 1. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Here he's posing as a certain serpent. And Satan worked to bring doubt and to deceive man from obeying the voice of the Lord. Listen, and in this moment, man was willing to rebel against God. Did you catch that? We chose sin. And so death comes as a result of that. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12 says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Why is it that I'm a sinner? Because my dad was a sinner. Because his dad was a sinner. You can go all the way back, all the way to Genesis, and you can find that Adam was a sinner, and as a result of the first Adam, we're all sinners and we're all condemned to die. But as a result of the second Adam, Jesus Christ, we can have salvation in a home in heaven. Amen. Isn't that good? One messed it up, but praise God, there's Jesus Christ who stands in the way with arms wide open and says, listen, I will take the punishment of not just this man's sin, but all men's sin if they will uh, simply believe. But Satan still desired to destroy man. And that's what we see coming time and time again. But God gave a prophecy in Genesis 3 and verse 15. And He said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. There's going to be uh, this, this uh, one deliverer that is prophesied from Genesis 3.15 that will destroy Satan. And, and that is who uh, initially he was looking for. And so we began to uh, see the corruption that he brought. And we see the seed of woman that was prophesied would destroy Satan. And Satan began to turn this destructive, destructive mind on all kinds of mankind. And so we see this in Genesis chapter 6. He mixed the blood of man and caused corruption and evil. And God had to destroy the world with a, with a worldwide flood. Not a local flood, but a worldwide flood. He destroyed the whole world. God saved Noah and, and his sons and their wives. And, and so those eight people restarted the, the uh, human race. And, and once again, there was that, that desire of, of Satan to destroy. In Genesis 12, we're going to fast forward just a little bit. God revealed that the Messiah would come through the line of Israel. In Genesis chapter 12, uh, and uh, let me turn there in my Bible because it's not in my notes here. He gives Abraham a, a promise from God in Genesis chapter 12, and that promise was specifically that there would be a blessing from the lineage of Abraham. In verse 2, and it says, I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Now, a little bit of, a little bit of background. Israel is from the seed of Abraham. In verse number 3, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the uh, earth be blessed. How do we receive that blessing but through the Messiah? Man, it was Jesus Christ was born in, uh, in the house of Israel. Jesus Christ was a son of Abraham. And so we are blessed as a result of that Messiah being born in that lineage. And so ever since that point, we have seen Satan doing his very best to, uh, to wage war on Israel. For example, he turned them to slaves and tried to murder them in Egypt. He imprisoned them in a foreign nation to remove, remove that purity of the line. 
He brought those that would compromise in the book of Judges and, and that would capitulate to foreign governments. He allowed Herod later to order the destruction of infants. In recent history, we could look at Adolf Hitler and see the, uh, the anti-Semitism and the destruction in the, in the Nazi, German, German, uh, Nazi extermination camps. Thank you. Uh, today, if we just look, uh, we can see time and time and time again, uh, even the world's governments today are turning their back on Israel. Our own nation is speaking out of both sides of its mouth. And it's saying, uh, it's saying that we're friends with Israel, but at the same time doing everything they can to hand, uh, uh, handcuff them and keep them, and even giving money to some of their enemies. They say, oh, I mean, America's always been uh, Israel's ally, but we're going to see that Israel will stand alone in Ezekiel 38. And all the world's nations will be against it. Listen, Satan has a vendetta against Israel, and it's all because of a promise that Satan would one day be destroyed by the seed of Israel. So let's look at Revelation 12. All that's kind of a background, helping you understand the, where this is all coming from and what's kind of going on in the world around us is a result of that hate that is in the heart of the devil. So let's look at Revelation 12 together. Would you stand with me? Let's read this passage. We're going to read the whole passage. I don't anticipate being able to preach through the whole thing tonight, but I sure will give it a try. And we're just going to have some fun. Amen? All right, verse number one, it says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve, a crown of 12 stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another woman in heaven, and be, uh, another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. You hear that enmity, that evil against Jesus Christ. In verse 5. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that uh, they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, and that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which hath accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness and to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, 
that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we need your help tonight. Uh, Lord, not just uh, so we can understand your word, but Lord, we need your help that we would be willing to submit to it. And God, the most important issue that we can settle tonight is that of salvation. God, and I pray tonight, if there's someone here without Christ as their Savior, that they would not leave this building, this place, without knowing you. God, how imperative it is as we face these uncertain times that we have a certain God. And so help us, I pray, Lord, not just to hear and heed the word, but God, help us, Lord, to then be witnesses in this time, in this age. We love you now. Please help us in Jesus' name. Amen. And please be seated. You know, it really shouldn't surprise us that God's given so much time to the nation of Israel in the book of Revelation. Matter of fact, if you uh, look in the Old Testament, uh, she dominates the story of the Old Testament because she's God's nation of destiny. She's His, uh, her chosen, uh, his chosen people. And the fact that God's not done with her is seen in the fact that in Daniel chapter number 9, that uh, when the time of Jacob's trouble would come, as Jeremiah 30 verse 7 mentions, that this last week, this final uh, seven years of Israel's history is, gonna, is prophesied between Revelation 6 and 18. And so here we have this tribulation period where we find ourselves. And so it would naturally, because the time clock has now been reset on Israel, it would focus on Israel. And, and that is a time where God is trying the whole earth, but He's dealing specifically with His people, once again, His people Israel. And so far, we, haven't, we have seen that Israel will make a league or covenant with the Antichrist for seven years. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 27 says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. And so here in Daniel, hundreds of years before Jesus even came, he prophesied that there would be an, uh, one that would come that would, uh, that would seal up uh, uh, this, this covenant with Israel for one week. That week is uh, uh, literally defined as sevens, and so it's seven years of time. And so that last seven years of time that Daniel 7 references is what Revelation 6 through 18 talks about as the time of tribulation. This is talked about in Jeremiah 30, verse 7, the time of Jacob's trouble. Other places we see it, the great tribulation is the second half. But we see this talked about through the Scriptures. And But Daniel says the kickoff for this time will be the agreement that Israel makes with the Antichrist that they, uh, for, for peace for seven years. The second thing we see in Revelation 7 is there's going to be 144,000 servants of God who will go forth to preach the gospel of Christ. Now these are 144,000 Jewish servants. And I know that there are uh, some people who follow Jehovah's Witnesses and, and they want to believe they're part of the 144,000. But listen, you can't be part of the 144,000 if you're not Jewish. 
That's one argument. Second argument is it's not until the tribulation period, but they get a lot of things wrong, uh, and so uh, that's not the scope of this message tonight. Listen, because of the effects of the sudden rapture of the church, and, and we see that uh, this goodness is gone, but listen, God begins to work very rapidly in the hearts of these 144,000 servants, and these become God's mouthpieces. Joel 2, 28 through 31 speaks of great wonders and works that they'll do in that time, and these men will be like a multitude of the Apostle Pauls going everywhere preaching the gospel, and I believe God will bring a great outpouring and revival during that time. And God's going to use Israel in a tremendous way but there's also going to be some great trials. There's going to be some great tribulations, especially in the last half of the tribulation period. And that's really where Revelation 12, as he looks at this, there's going to be some, some real uh, outpouring of wrath from the Antichrist upon uh, the, uh, the Jewish people. Now, if you look at Revelation 12, there's four key people that we're going to look at tonight. And the fact there's a there in in the middle of the tribulation period, Israel will be confronted with the worst wave of um, anti-Semitism the world has ever seen. But let me remind you: no matter what, God is always faithful. Deuteronomy chapter seven and verse number nine says, "Know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God." The faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love Him, and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. God says, listen, I will not cease to be faithful even in this time. He is faithful today, He was faithful yesterday, and He will be faithful in that time as well. And so we're going to look, about, look at four people tonight. The first one being the woman. Revelation 12, verses 1 through 2. Look there with your, in your Bible with me. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with, sun, uh, with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in, pain, in birth, and pained to be delivered. There's been a lot of suggestions over the year over the identity of this woman clothed with the sun. Uh, the Church of Rome has maintained that she represents the Virgin Mary. In 1678, there was a Spanish artist named Murillo who created a famous painting called The Mystery of the Immaculate Conception. And it was uh, of this woman clothed with the sun. But for some reason, he didn't show her standing on the moon uh, with a crown of seven stars on her head. But this passage has often been teach, uh, taught by the Roman Catholic Church to teach Mary's bodily assumption into heaven. That is a false doctrine. Uh, and just, just for clarity there, I don't want to make you think that we believe in that. Uh, Mary died just like anybody else. Uh, the second false idea is that this, this woman is the church. Uh, again, this is a false idea, and we're going to look at what it is in just a moment. And the last one is even more weird. Uh, some have tried to define this woman as themselves. One example of that is Mary Baker Glover Patterson Eddy. You say, who in the world is that? Well, she was a person who was confused in more than one reason. She was the creator of Christian science. And so uh, Dr. Lehman Strauss writes, there is, uh, then there is the blasphemous teaching of Mary Baker Glover Patterson Eddy, who was conceited enough to claim that this woman of Revelation 12 represented herself. She added that the man-child that she brought forth is Christian science, that the dragon is the is mortal mind attempting to destroy her religion. And he said, I shall not go beyond Dr. Ironside's answer. He said, I need not take up the time of sane people to defend this. 
J. Vernon McGee says, A female preacher in California who became famous or infamous, however you can express it, toyed with the idea that she might be the woman mentioned in this chapter. Listen, the, the, the idea is, is ludicrous that this woman could be the woman of Revelation 12. Dr. Ironside also said this, he said, I think I may, without exaggeration, that I have read or carefully examined several hundred books purporting to expound Revelation. I have learned to look upon this 12th chapter as a crucial test in regard to the correct prophetic outline. If the interpreters are wrong as to the woman and the child, it necessarily follows that they will be wrong in so many other things that connected, are connected with them. So who, who is the woman? The woman is referred to as a great wonder in heaven. In Revelation 12, verse 1, the word wonder literally means a sign. And it appears for the first time in the book of Revelation, and it indicates this woman is not to be taken literally as a woman, but a symbolic representation of something. Now, here's the thing. We're, we believe in a literal interpretation of Scripture. Amen? But God is telling us specifically, this is not a literal woman. It says she is a sign. It is a, uh, it is a representation of something. And further, it's impossible uh, of Mary to give birth to her child in heaven, okay, which is pictured here in this passage. So Joseph, uh, who is the son of Israel, related a, a dream to his fathers in Genesis chapter 37. Verses 9 through 11 says, And he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed, I dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obedience to me. And he told it to his father and his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow our, down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the same. Listen, the man child that we see in verses 5 and 6, we're going to see is, is Jesus Christ. It's very obvious there. Religions such as Christian science or even uh, other churches will not qualify as the mother of Jesus. Instead, what we see is this is a reference to the nation of Israel which beget the Messiah. And so the, the mother here mentioned here is the nation of Israel. From Abraham to the days of Mary, the nation of Israel was preparing to bring forth a child. Remember, we just looked at this in the introduction here tonight. And this is a child that uh, would, would bring salvation to all men. This is Jesus Christ. He was the Messiah. He was the one they were looking for. And in the fact that this woman is seen clothed with the sun and the moon is illuminating as well because these objects are light-conveying objects. The moon is a reflector. The sun is a source of light. And they are symbolic of Israel as God's light-bearer to mankind. God revealed Himself to Moses on the mountain. He gave the law. They were supposed to share that with others so the whole world might believe and be saved. But unfortunately, she failed in this. In the Old Testament days, God's intended, intention was that Israel would propagate His message from the Holy Land to the rest of the world. But she failed. She didn't fulfill God's destiny for her. She was unfaithful in sharing this message. She was fallen under the judgments of God. And, and uh, though she was, was intended to be God's light bearer, she failed in that Old Testament era. But let me just remind you, that the church in Revelation 2 and 3, we are pictured as lampstands. You know that we are today God's light bearer today? Listen, the world is not going to go out and tell people, listen, you need to repent and call upon Jesus Christ as your Savior. They're not going to tell you that. 
The world is not going to tell you there's only one way to heaven. The world is not going to tell you, but by grace, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of worthless any man should boast. The world will not tell you that. That's our message to proclaim today. May we not fail in this. May we be faithful until the day God raptures us out or calls us home. But there is a time during this tribulation period that God will allow them to bear the light once again. And during this time, God will send out those 144,000 witnesses and they will carry the light. And how essential tonight that we see, and I, 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 I fail on time, I just, I, I realize there's so much here, I can't get it all in one, one uh, breath. But, but we fail uh, in, in this era, may we not fail to continue to carry the light in this time. May we be willing to say, God, I know that you can use, uh, you've used men in the past, but tonight and today, God, I want you to use me. Lord, I want you to use my life. And you may not be, you may feel like you're like Moses and, and, and God, I can, 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 can talk, you know, and, and you have these problems. But let me remind you that God can use your life, no matter how messed up you may think it is, you can be a light bearer for Jesus Christ. Some of the greatest evangelists, some of the greatest soul winners of all of time have not been the most eloquent of preachers. They've been the most humble of servants that are willing to say, God, hear my, send me. And so may we be willing to say, God, this week, before we go any further tonight, before we do anything else, may our heartbeat simply be, God, I want to be your light bearer. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You see, over and over and over, God says, will you be the light? Thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a privilege to share God's word with you. If God has spoken to your heart because of the message, stop right now and respond to whatever it is God is asking of you. Don't wait another minute. You can pray right where you're at and ask God for His help. If this message has helped you in any way, we would love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions or we can help you with your decision. Jesus asked his disciples, Who do ye say that I am? And he offers the same question to you today. What would your answer be?